Welcome back to the Hoops Temple Podcast. You all know me, Nathan Schwartz. And joining me in New Zealand, Dylan Williamson. Good morning, Nathan. Good evening. How is it going? Not too bad, you know. After an entire week of like scorching hot weather while I was at work, I finally get a day off and it's now raining. Uh, when I walked the dogs today, it was a real feel of negative one today. Mm. So it's, Beautiful. it's always fun hearing about your wonderful summer times <laughs> when we're in the midst of our winter. Complaining about my little summer shower. Well, you're at wait negative one Fahrenheit as well. Yeah, negative one Fahrenheit. So uh, I think it was actually seven. It was just the real feel because there was a there was a, a good wind and going, just making the dog yeah. walk nice and chilly. I I normally do my like box score watching TikTok series, and today yeah. I like <laughs> my my fingers like, were just numb. Box score. <laughs> <laughs> Like my phone was not registering when I was touching it that like that was that was a hand and like yeah like your your I, I fingers were frozen solid it's like no that's not what a finger feels like that's just like your keys or something yeah yeah so it was like all right I I guess we're not doing that today <laughs> but we we have had two incredibly small bits of NBA news one I guess maybe not so small just oh. not the most I don't know not. They didn't make a big deal out of that. Out of it. The Clippers have signed an extension of Kawhi Leonard. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm pretty good. It's it's not a terrible contract. The big fear with Kawhi going into free agency and with Paul George and James Harden as well is that they are getting older and you don't want to end up in that position where like you sign your best players, which you're happy about, but they're like signing for like 50 million a year until they're like 38. Um, and so this is a, I think it's a three-year extension Kawhi's still looking awesome. Like he's still at times looking like he can be like the best player in any in any game um and any in and in any playoff series. Um so it's good to have him around. He'll be there for the opening of the of the Intuit Dome. And also I think as a as a sign that the organization is happy with where the team is and that Kawhi is happy with where the team is. And so now we just gotta get get um PG back and uh a good playoff run coming up. And Harden um, can't can't resign him till the off season because of how the contracts fix work. But I feel like with Kawhi signing, you know, Kawhi wouldn't sign with the Clippers until they like sign the dotted lines on the PG trade. I feel like if he's signing this extension at less than a max, less than max years, that it's a good sign that he feels confident that PG and Harden, as much of a wink, wink, nod, nod, like deal as can be, is coming back. Yeah, like he will only sign once like he's, he's confident in the direction and everything's in line. And so for him to resign, like this is where he wants to be. So there's like that perspective as well that like he actually does want to be on this team. He wants to be in the city. Like this is the, the only team that he's ever chosen to be on. He wants to be here. He continues to choose to be here. It's, it's an exciting future, man. We've got, you know, all NBA players, a brand new arena opening up. Yeah. Just need the banner to hang in it. <laughs> Good luck with that. I don't, I don't want to open the Intuit Dome. It's like, you, you remember in like the 2011 or whatever it was, Clippers, and they hung the banners over top of the Lakers banners, but mm-hmm. didn't have any banners. It was just like players. Honestly, I, I actually <laughs> thought those Covering banners up a championship cool. with Jamal Crawford's banner. <laughs> I thought the player banners looked cool. Like, you know, yeah. if you don't have the, the championships, I would have actually loved to have seen them do that with like Clippers from history, like have the Bob McAdoo. Uh, banner out there. I mean, like have the, have the legends banners. There's, you know, isn't that kind of sad though? When you got like Bob McAdoo and Alton Brand um, hanging up over top of, you know, Kobe and Shaq and uh, 
um, Kareem's championships. Is it better or is it worse than just having them up there? Like, hey, you are playing and you look up and you're like, oh, did our team win those? No, that's that's the other team that plays in this building. Like, Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I do support current up the banners. I, I'm a very, yeah. you know, fuck them sort of um, <laughs> attitude. <laughs> well, speaking of fuck them, Marvin Bagley has been traded from the Detroit Pistons. He will now be a Washington Wizard. It is him and Isaiah Livers. Two second round picks going for Danilo Gallinari and Mike Muscala. And I hate to admit how excited I am for this trade. Yeah, I mean, it's when they signed the Marvin Bagley contract, I think both of us were like, why the hell are they paying this dude so much money? Like, I get taken a flyer, but like, why are you actually paying real money to this dude who's never shown to be a good NBA player? And now they're having to give up assets to just get rid of him. But I do also like it. And I think it's probably from the same perspective as you. We haven't talked about this before, but I imagine we're going in the same direction, which is you get players out of the rotation who suck, and the fewer guys in your rotation that suck, the better your team will be. No, I'm actually going to this from the, I think they got players who don't suck. Um, Like, uh, when I I went to the Wizards-Pistons game, thinking that this was going to be the bottom of the Pistons season is the tankathon, like giant tank bowl. Wizards Pistons, the two worst teams in the league. And then they got blown out. And while they're getting blown out, Danilo Gallinari is barking orders at the young guys. There's like a moment where Denny Avdia is starting to like feel it and like, you know, starting to talk and chirp. And like Gallo like slaps him and is like, no, get back on D. I, I turned to my wife. I was like, the Pistons need that veteran presence. The Pistons need a Danilo Gallinari who can space the floor. And now like we've traded for Danilo. The guy who I was like thinking is going to prevent Washington from just being a poverty franchise, from setting the record for fewest wins, and now he's a Piston. Now the Pistons might hit double-digit wins. This is exciting. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's exactly what I mean. You move out these, you know, two negative players: Isaiah Livers, who was like a spot-up shooter who couldn't shoot, and Marvin Bagley, who was like a big man who couldn't like protect the rim or or rebound. Um, and you bring in a, a veteran with some scoring ability. Um, and Mike Muscala is the other guy in the trade, right? Yep. The The biggest issue, I think, for the Pistons offensively is that they play all these non-shooters at the same time, and it's really hard for the guys who are trying to get downhill to do anything. And now you bring in Mike Muscala, who only, when was it last year, the year before, that he was with the Thunder, and he had really good minutes because he just provided floor spacing for a team that loves to get downhill and and get to the rim. Yeah, I neither of them are shooting the best this year. I did want to go and pull up their shooting stats. It's and like three point wise, Danilo thirty one percent, Muscala twenty seven. Hey, that did lead the team. Not the that's <laughs> not true, but closer <laughs> to true than I think we we need to discuss. But yeah, I, I think this is a win for the Pistons. It's really funny that they give up the a recent number two draft pick and they have to pay the two seconds to give up upon them. Like you're giving up two guys under 25 or 25 and under um and you're getting a 35 and a 32 year old and you're paying the draft capital to like give up on these guys it's it's just funny in my mind that that's what it took um did you see the 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 woge bomb the huge breaking news his explanation of the picks is like it's either 25 or 26 and it's convoluted (laughs) like that's literally in the tweet is like the the conditions are convoluted so they might be some kind of fake stick around picks Oh, yeah. 
Like, like when his tweet on what picks are included, it's just like, uh, I can't figure it out. <laughs> yeah, if you're the Pistons, like, giving up seconds, if they're your own seconds, really hurts. Like, maybe these are second round mm. swaps or something. Yeah, or it might, might be like, you know, the worst of this team, this team, and this team's pick top 20 protected or something, you know, something ridiculous. Yeah, the best of these teams' picks, but only the best if it's 45 or worst. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Otherwise, it becomes a, a photocopier in a vending machine. Shout out to oh, Kyle Korver. Or was it JJ Redick? Which one of the, the all-white shooter? Who got traded for the... the Korver, yeah. Okay. I had a momentary, like, was it Redick? No. All right. Korver it is. Um, but now, moving on from the old guys getting traded for young guys, we plan to discuss the top players 24 and under, or the top 30 guys under 25. And yesterday... I was just kind of goofing around, kind of thinking of what the list would be. Um, TikTok tells me if I post the photo video things, like, that does better. Um, they're, like, really advertising pushing for it. So, like, you know what? Let me just throw together a quick top 30. I spent maybe an hour on it. It's um, threw it out, and it had wonderful engagement. This is not something that's a, an original idea. Um, thinking basketball did it. Hoops hype. It has done a top, of, um, I don't know what they did, under... Or 24. 25 under 25 or something. Yeah, 25 under 25 is probably a more fitting list, but there's a lot of really good players that are under this age. So I wanted to start with 30. And I think the way that we should do this is we'll each say our guy who's number 30, or you'll say a guy that's 30. If he's higher up on my list, we'll wait for him. Um, If he's not, then we'll discuss him. And and we'll kind of go back and forth until we discuss all of our guys. And I'm, I'm making a few changes to the tiktok list but um yeah what do you uh you want to give us the the first guy who's your deep cut you said that you had someone for number 30 i think one thing that struck me as i was looking into this like even when we get higher up in the list is i've got like all these really imperfect guys where it's like okay like you know solid player he's got some skills puts up some box score numbers and then you dig deep and it's like oh he's really efficient scorer and like the team really fucking sucks when whenever he plays um and so one guy that's an exception to that a guy who's provides some value offensively due to his ball movement his um off ball shooting a guy who scores efficiently you know takes good shots and can really shoot from behind the arc and a guy who statistically and by the eye test contributes positively to his team although it's not a very good team the numbers are still good when he's in. My number 30 guy is Brandon Pajemski. I was wondering if you might do pods. I was watching in the Warriors-Bucks game earlier today, uh, yesterday's game earlier today. By the time you're listening to this, uh, who knows how many days ago this game was. Um, God damn it, pods gets away with so many travels and carries. <laughs> this guy, he did the James Harden double step back. The pickup, let me sidestep, let me sidestep again and hit it um, over Dame Lillard. Uh, but but he's good and he's crafty and he creates. Um, and, and as I'm watching that game, I was kind of questioning: Should he be higher on my list, or like should he have made my top thirty? I I don't have him here, but I, I think it's an excellent excellent name to have on this list. I think what he has provided as far as playmaking and creation, and the Warriors' offense gets really stagnant at times. Like they they threw the ball to Sarge in the post and he dribbled, he got stopped, and everyone just stood there like what do we do now? And and it was when Pajemski was on the bench, but when he came back in, he was kind of leading that offense with Curry out. And I don't, I don't know how many other, well, actually a lot of other guys on this list do something similar to that, but just, just kind of crazy that he's come out of nowhere. 
Yeah, I mean, is he their starting point guard right now for a team that's theoretically trying to make the playoffs? I mean, when Curry sits, yeah, yeah. Uh, my number 30, I, I'm going to shift it around a bit from the one I posted on TikTok, but I think I'm sorry. Sorry, TikTok fans. Nas Reed's getting bumped back. <laughs> oh, no. um, and it's nothing to do with Nas. I I love what Nas brings the spacing in uh, to the offense. You know, he is a small ball center, but he's he's really more of like a power forward because he's always playing with either Gobert or Towns. Ones out there, I guess not always, but um, the spacing he provides as a big man is really valuable. The offensive impact that it has for the team. But as you said, there are flaws in these guys' his plays. I don't see him as much of a passer. He is probably a bit of a below average rebounder for what we would look for in a starting big man or a, a starting in center. And then defensively, he's undersized. There is not as much rim protection in coming from him as as a five man. Like I think being a backup five, uh, being a backup four or five that gets to come and beat the scoring punch is an awesome role for him. But I don't. I don't know how much more he's got. Yeah, like a, a TikTok favorite for sure. Um, and it's easy to understand why. Like he's a really fun guy to watch the way he's able to, as a big man, you know, create shots for himself. But as you say, he's not, you know, he's not a lead initiator. And there's a reason that he's in that six man role, which is that he probably can't really start at the five, which is his, I guess, his most natural position um, because of the defense and the rebounding limitations. But, you know, a really excellent scorer and positive contributor to his team from that six-man scoring role yeah all right who is your 29 i forgot i did you have nas on your on your board uh nas was my 27 so we're, we're in a similar range i i should have, have said that nas and then give it then you know waited so who, who's your 29 guy who probably is as um slipped from a lot of people's minds because he's dealt with availability issues this year and he's just sort of rounding back into shape the man who didn't steal aaron's girlfriend um walker kessler who was the apple of our eye last year becoming a you know immediate defensive force struggled to start the year but overall the numbers um in terms of rim protection are looking just as good as as ever which is to say that teams cannot score at the rim whenever he's on the floor Mm -hmm. struggle with injury this year Uh, but the jazz are coming right and the the defensive impact, um, I think, is still still there. Yeah, uh, I, I listened to the Saturday Slam Jam this morning, in as I was fixing my car, and uh, they were discussing how they're using him more as a cutter. So when I, I fired up the Lakers Jazz game and was looking for it, and it's really funny. They'll put him out in the three point line, run their offensive set, and then he just comes cutting down into the lane, and you've got this seven foot, what mm. is he, seven two, uh, cutting. And then getting these high lob passes, it's really hard to deal with, especially if you yeah. have just like one rim protector and he's gotten engaged in the play trying to stop Clarkson or Sexton. Like, you don't, a lot of teams don't have that secondary help. I did not have him on my list, but that, that kind of just speaks to the depth. Yeah. And just on that, that's like a really clever play because it's, um, it's almost like running a pick and roll, except that the defensive attention is diverted by the actual on ball action. And so your big man is, um, doing a traditional big man role, which is come from the top and drive straight down the lane, except that the defense is um, not in a position where that's their primary concern. But yeah, like like I said, it's easy to forget about him because he's had such an injury-plagued season, but hopefully coming right and hopefully the defensive impact um, is able to sustain. Oh, I didn't forget about him. I just chose not to have him on here. It just, you know, I, I liked him. I liked easy to- Mark Williams. <laughs> yeah. I... 
I, I had thought about Jordan Poole even. Uh, did Poole make your list? No. Like, he's kind of awful right now. You know, but, like, last year, what we've seen him do, I, I think this is a bad situation. But, like, I was like, there's there's, there's a case that Jordan Poole, you know, not from what we've seen this year, but from what we've seen in the past, deserves to be on this. And I probably should have said this earlier. We're not ranking on potential. We are ranking on right now. How good, how much talent, how much impact we're seeing. Okay, so you had Walker Kessler at your 29. My 29 is Devin Vassell. Did he make your list? Uh, yeah, 25. So we're, in a, we're, we're pretty okay. much in line here. All right, we'll talk about him when we get up to your 25 then. Um, who is your 28? Here, here's a spicy one. This is a guy who once in my top 100 players not that long ago, I had as a top 15 player in the NBA. Now my 28th ranked player under 25 is Zion Williamson. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay, we, we have to wait. No, you know what? That's too spicy. Um, <laughs> I have Zion significantly higher. I, I had him down at 15, um, which I thought was a, a sizable enough drop for, for where Zion was, for where he's coming from. What, what makes you have him all the way this far back? Um, I think he's he's so flawed as a player, and his strengths have really regressed, um, either due to injury or due to conditioning. So he's a he's a big man who can't shoot, who can't defend the rim, and doesn't defensive rebound. So you have to play him with a floor spacing center, which is where Valanciunas comes in, which further hurts the defense because there aren't you know there are like three guys in the nba who can protect the rim and also shoot um and you're not going to get one of those guys easily so that hurts you there then you come into the the fact that you've got all this detriment from those flaws i just said but in the past the strengths were sufficient to um compensate for that but this year not driving efficient offense the scoring efficiency is not even good like this guy can't even finish around the rim at a at a high level and that's the one thing that he's good at is getting to the rim and finishing at the rim and so you've got all these downsides doesn't defend doesn't rebound is a difficult fit for your team you have to construct weird rosters to try to fit him in and then the things that he's good at he's not even that good at and so it's it's a really tough situation for him put it this way um i think nas reed who i had you know right next to him sorry, right above him, is, is a more efficient scorer and who doesn't have his pronounced weaknesses. That's crazy. That, <laughs> that is, I mean, he's still hitting 58% of his shots from the floor, uh, still getting you 22 points. It's a night. And like, believe me, I've seen some absolute stinkers of Zion Williamson that I, I believe had me come on this pod and question, like, is this no longer a guy that you can build around? Is this guy that needs to be a sixth man? But even if we were to trim back his role, to be in a sixth man, which I don't think we're there yet. Um, he still has to be a better looking sixth man than, than a Nas Reed, right? I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> what is the value that he's giving you? He had t- a, a crisp 58% E field goal percentage as a big man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Barely above I, I average mean, efficiency? He's attacking the in the basket um he's he's improving as a passer for right now and it's it's been kind of a little bit of an awkward transition in for him to be more of a passer they also have a lot in flux around him as far as like who is in the rotation every day basically um i'm like mm. they had they have too much depth and not enough of so- solid not enough solidified around him 
this is this is way way too low for zion i know he has been disappointed and if you're going from like expectations to performance it's a it's a disappointing step back but i cannot get there with him how about this night he makes me sad watching him makes me sad that's that's fine that that is acceptable he was your 28 he was my 28 and um nas reed was my was my 27 okay my 28th is Jalen Johnson. Is he on your list? He is 24. Oh, okay. Well, then we'll, we'll discuss him when we get up to 24. Um, my 27 is Anthony Simons. Is he on yours? He was my probably toughest omission or, or my closest omission. So he is not in my top 30. He's the guy I'm getting the most pushback on TikTok for actually having too low. And I bumped him up a little bit on this. Now, I, I get why you don't have him. It's very inefficient offense. Um it's not particularly good, but offense, but is still offense. And there, I I struggle with him because he he's dribbles with his head down a lot. Um, like it, the coach is doing him no favor. Chauncey Billups' offense is antiquated at best. It's a lot of ISO ball without a good isolation player. Like the Jeremy Grant mid post ups, you'd think he was Michael Jordan with how many they tried to give him, or how many touches they give him off that elbow. Like it, it's it's a garbage offense. And so when I see Simons, I see him clawing something out of nothing. And while I don't always like his instincts with the ball, I, I think I need to respect the pure production of what he is producing. Man has very little help, very little going for him and as far as the rest of the teammates. And he's still hitting 38.5% of his threes. He's 90% from the free throw line, getting there a fair amount, um, doubled his t- uh, free throw attempts from last year. Just like driving, drawing fouls, and twenty-three points. If, if we were um, considering more, uh, or, or if I put more weight into his previous seasons, he would definitely be higher um, because he has been like a pretty good offensive contributor in other situations. Um, but solely in this season, he has not been um, a, a valuable offensive piece. And as as you say, a big part of that is that he's on like this god awful team like i was um so the the way that i play 2k is i take every game when i come up against a new t- team i go in and i fix all their ratings because 2k doesn't know how good players are at stuff and as i was getting in and i was like man some of these guys in this rotation like are not good at anything like <laughs> some of these guys that they're relying on are just not good nba players and so like I do appreciate the fact that he's in this really tough situation but I think it's it's you know really inefficient scoring um like you say it's head down not making good reads so not contributing to good offense mm-hmm. they are 19 points per 100 possessions better when he's not on the floor 19 he is one of the you know yeah. worst players in the league from on off um perspective um and you you come into the nature of Anthony Simons, which is he is a shooting guard who's too small to play shooting guard. You've either got to sacrifice your offense by having him run the point, or you've got to massively sacrifice your defense by having him run the two. Um, and either way, you're just hugely limiting yourself on one end of the floor. It's not wild that after like a decade plus of Damian Lillard in Portland, where it was always the problem of having too small, like too many too small guards, him and CJ, you just... You never had like a, another guard with size. Now they have Simons and Scoot Henderson. It's just like, really? You've learned nothing? It's been how long and you've learned nothing? Come on. Yeah. And I mean, like, it'd be, it'd be better for everyone if he wasn't on this team. 
Like there are certainly better situations for him. And if he could get out of the way so they can, I don't know, just start shading sharp at the two, that'd that'd be better for everyone. I I hope they figure out something to do or something different. um, And Shaden Sharp needs to play more. He's too exciting. Like the fact that he does not sniff this list for either of us, I'm assuming, uh, unless you're going to pull Rabbit out of the hat and have him at 15 Mm, or something. Yeah. um, it's like he should be <laughs> another close mission. He should be on this list, and he's just not. Um, can I get your list again? Because I'm trying to keep track of it on on the side here. Or you've had Walker Kessler or at 30. Uh, I'll, I'll give you 30 through. We're up to here. Uh, so Pods at 30, Walker Kessler 29, Zion 28, Nasri 27. I don't think we've done my 26. Jalen Johnson at 24. Nope, we're ready for 26. This is this is this is not a hot one, and it's also not one that I feel that great about. Like I kind of feel like he's too low. It's the best guard on the Chicago Bulls, Kobe White. I had him much higher. Let's let's hang off on him, and <clears> we can <throat> discuss him when we get high. Oh, we're not, you know, let's discuss him now, and then we'll just skip him when I get up up to him. Why did you have him this low? Because you know, I think if yeah, tell me why you had him low. Maybe it's a, a bit of um, you know what? Maybe he should be higher. Like there's there's the the thing of the offense is not good when he's on, um, which is something that I always look for in a point guard is like, okay, if you're a good offensive player, why is the team not good at offense when you're on? Um, but they are so much worse when he's off. Like he he does compete defensively as well, which is something that I like. Puts up you know volume from three on good efficiency. It's like maybe he should be higher, especially with the recent run that he's having. But part of me wonders whether this is like a hot streak and you know he's going to regress a little bit to being what he's always been which is like a decent third point guard or third guard rather but it is it is it is the one that's my weakest position it's the one that can most be talked up on that's fair because like you know he i think we had done this at the start of the season which we did we did rank in top players at the start of the season he would be nowhere near it um but if we just look back over the last 20 something games here like 22 points it's um, six boards, six assists, and the Bulls have been winning with him in in there, which I think is is important that you know he's he's out there as things have changed and watching the games, he's he's got size and actually competes defensively. Which like I'm not gonna say yeah. he's a great defender, but he competes, and that that makes up for so much. Like just just trying, and it's it's astounding how little certain guys try. Looking at his mm. teammates specifically. Yeah, yeah. Like when you when you've got size and you've got like a decent level of quickness, um, like just trying gets you to such a high baseline. You like you don't even have to be you know a great defender, but if you've got size and you actually try, like that raises your floor so much. Mm-hmm. And 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 I agree. That's one thing that you know from the few games that I've watched of him is that like he does actually compete. Like he does try to get over screens and he does get into a stance, which is more than you can say for a lot of guys. Um, I, I had him up at 20, so not too much farther. I am still worried a little bit about the streak, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, my 26 was Emmanuel Quickly, and mm-hmm. it, it's kind of a similar thing. Like the the Knicks were awesome with Quickly off the bench, but he wasn't getting the minutes. Now he's a starter, and we're starting to see some flaws, some more holes, some bad decision-making uh, that first game. And he was there. Pascal was just on fire. He gets an offensive rebound with like three minutes left. He drives, gets into the middle of the floor, or doesn't have anywhere to go and just chucks up a bad shot. And you're like, dude, recognition of the moment, the plays, like you're, you're now supposed to be the guy. Um, I, I only have about 26. Where do you have quickly? 
21. Oh, all right. All right. We're hitting, hitting relative same ranges for a lot of these guys here. Yeah. And yeah, like I agree with everything you said. Like, um, I think he was, he, if we were ranking him just based on like how he played in New York and like the potential of what he showed in New York, I think he'd maybe be a bit, a bit higher um, just as mm-hmm. like a guy who actually can drive some offense and also, again, like does compete defensively. And I do think that he's like a starting caliber point guard and will, um, I think, improve as, as time goes in Toronto. Absolutely. Uh, and like the difference between him and Kobe White, Kobe White on the season, 18 and a half points. Uh, quickly in Toronto, 18.6 points. Like they, they are putting up very similar stat lines on pretty similar efficiency right now. Like depending on on how you want to cut the guy's numbers. If you want to make one look better, you can. If you want to make the other look better, you can. But um, I think we're just kind of in that range for them. Who is your 25? Uh, our good friend Devin Vassell. Okay. That's where Vassell... Okay, man, for you. Uh, my 25 is Jaime Hawkins Jr. Mm-hmm. How much higher do you have him? I know you've got to be all in on Hawkins. <laughs> what is he, like no, 13 he... for you? <laughs> he, was a, he was a close omission. Really? Yeah. I, ex- I expect you to be all about Hawkins because of the efficiency. I, I don't know that I see like a ton of improvement coming from him. Um, I, I don't know that I would tell you that I think in three years he could be an all-star. But it's just, he shows up and he has this old man game. Like a lot of scoops, a lot of like, let me back you down from the three-point line and then I hit you with the spin and two-step with a scoop and a floater. And I'm just like, man, this, like any any team could use him. Um, And, and then he shoots well and passes well. It's like, I, I don't know what more you wanted from a rookie. Like, why did so many teams pass on him? Why did the Lakers of all teams pass on him? <laughs> Picking uh, like Hood Shafino, the pick right before him just drives me crazy he was a ucla guy he was in our backyard (laughs) yeah it makes me mad Mm. all right well then who is uh so wait uh dale johnson was your 24 right yeah okay uh my 24 i've gone back and forth on these these guys i'm gonna tell you it's Jaden mcdaniels right now where do you have Jaden mcdaniels 20 okay same relative range um i thought he would be higher coming into this exercise did you think he would be higher too yeah yeah, I'd say so. Like, if you just think about his value as an overall player, it's like he's one of the best defensive um, non-big men in the entire NBA and does, yeah. like, shoot well enough. Um, I think ultimately what dragged him down a little bit for me was, um, uh, like, the offense I'm still not all there on. Like, he's not mm-hmm. a great finisher. Um, the three-point percentage is decent, but doesn't take a lot of them. Worse than I was expecting in looking more into it. Um, I, I remember him coming in from college with like really high shooting comps as crazy high as like, he could be the next Kevin Durant because he's six, nine, super skinny and could shoot. But like, wh- what is he at? Uh, 34%, uh, 35% from three. That's fine. That's actually below league average at this point. Yeah. And, and, and quite low um, volume as well. Yeah. I didn't realize league average three point shooting at this point is 36 Point seven, um, which just just speaks to where shooters are getting. And like, all right, so he was your twenty. Who is your twenty three then? My twenty three is um, Jalen Duran, mm. the anchor of one of the worst defenses in the league. Um, but all the rim protection numbers are pretty good on him. Like, I think he, you know, like it's very Dwight Howard vibes watching this guy. Prime Dwight Howard, that is. Um, just like the athleticism, the size, the strength. 
even the rebounding, I think he's going to be like a really positive defender. And and it's like the athleticism to do like the basic, you know, screen and roll and catch a lob and finish inside. Yeah. And, and like he does swing at a lot of things. Um, he's a little bit more foul. Actually, he's worked on the foul crowd. At the start of the season, he was picking up a lot of fouls. Like the per 36 minutes, yeah. he's basically fouling out. Now he's yeah, down yeah. to just 3.8. Um, yeah. I, I had him up a little bit higher. I had him at 22, so just just one spot higher. I, I hope he develops more offensively. I, there's talk that eventually a three-point shot will come. I don't need that. I just need the ability to do a little bit more off the dribble or um, a, a post move would be nice. And like as far as the rim protection not being great or the defense not being great, there's a lot of sieves in Detroit. He's He has to take on a lot of challenges. I don't blame him too much for it's, it's a lot of work being the being the low man in Detroit. Yeah, but hey, they're going to be able to field Danilo and Bogdanovich, and um, <laughs> it's going to make it so know, much better. <laughs> Joe Harris, uh, that's a defensive core. All these, right? all these other white guys who cannot cannot move their feet from you know side to side. At least, at least they'll provide more spacing um, because that also could help his offense and to look better. Like you don't have to provide a lot of spacing when it's Killian and even Cade and uh, Ivy. I mean, they're fine. Killian's not, but uh, there's just not a lot of space in there to go around. So um, that's your twenty-three. My twenty-three is Keegan Murray, and I think the fact that uh, a lot of my followers are also followers of uh, Aaron for his Kings fandom has has influenced the fact that a lot of people are are very pro Keegan in my comments and saying this was way too low. Mm. Sacramento Kings TikTok Loki is um it's 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 one of one of the best from a fandom perspective. It's strong. That Nas yeah. Reed fandom. Nas Reed fandom just <laughs> yeah, you Nas, guys are the real champs. It's Nas Reed in the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> um did you have Keegan on your list? Where'd you have him? I had him at eighteen. Okay. I Efficient volume shooter from three and defends. Like, what more do you really want from a wing? Star potential? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, like, we're going to start creation, defensive yeah. playmaking, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I, I don't know that I look up and I see Keegan Murray all-star in the near future. I don't think it's entirely impossible, especially if the shot creation uh, really comes along, which he's been doing more of it in their offense. Uh, but right now I see him as a three and D wing. And like that's that's a really good role player. That's a super valuable piece to have, but it's it's a valuable piece to have if you have other pieces already in place. Yeah. Um, all right. So that was my twenty-three. Duran was my twenty-two. Have you said your twenty-two yet? My twenty-two is Nick Claxton. Nicky Clax. Okay. Really solid um rim protector. Probably like the most switchable perimeter guy among like the elite rim protectors, but doesn't um, control the defensive boards in the way that other elite rim protectors do and not really um, anything of an offensive player. Uh, but, you know, a really versatile and impactful defender. Yeah, I had him at 21, so very similar placement and for much the same reasons. Like, his great lob threat, he finishes really well. Uh, you're not getting anything else from him on offense. And defensively, I like that he could switch onto a lot of guys and he protects the rim well. I do still think that I'd be a little bit afraid to go up against Joel Embiid in a playoff series, provide Joel Embiid's yeah. playing in the playoff series. But just like size-wise, um, I, I think you can Yeah, yeah, it. I guess that's the other weaknesses, yeah. When, whenever you've got like these slender centers, it becomes difficult um, matching up one-on-one -on -one against post players and getting, um, you know, defensive rebounds. Uh, we, 
you bring you you know you sort of come into a situation where you almost need to play like a big four um to defend you know one-on-one post players and you know help with boxing out which makes your roster construction a little bit difficult yeah yeah having the slim centers you need to have that thick power forward the pascals the julius randalls it's your time baby you just gotta find your way to a uh, victor or a chat or a you know, someone else, some slim center, get there. Um, all right, here's my 21. Who's your 21? Uh, it was Quickly. Quickly. All right. Uh, my 20 was Kobe. Be White, who is your 20? Uh, McDaniels. McDaniels. All right. Uh, 19 time. Who you got at 19? Uh, speaking of slim centers, I got Wimby at 19. Interesting. I I have Wimby a little bit higher, um, but I understand the hesitancy you yeah. have him this, this far back. Yeah, like I can see a case for him to be as high as like, I don't know, like pushing top 10. A lot of like the like the all-in-one metrics really like him, which is interesting. Um, you know, like your your EPMs and your LeBrons and that sort of thing. Um, these, you know, plus minus stats with a box score prior do really like him. Um, but I like the, the rim protection, I think is really good already. I think that's legit. The positioning isn't always... Awesome. Like the switchabilities, there's some of that there. Um, you run into the same problems that we were just talking about with Nick Claxton in terms of skinny centers. Can't defend that well on the post and you know allows a lot of offensive rebounds. Um, and I think offensively at this point is probably a negative. The scoring efficiency isn't great. The decision making isn't great. These numbers are off the top of my head, but I think it's she's like 30% on above the break threes and it's taken 150 and he shoots 74% at the rim and has taken 166 shots. So he takes as many inefficient above-the-break pull-up threes as he does layups. Um, so like shot selection is you know, an issue at this point. But if we're talking potential, he's top five. Um, but at this point, good rim protector, probably a negative offensive player, although he's asked to do too much. Yeah, I forget which one of those um, all-in-one stats the value of a steal is worth like nine points per game. Um, and the value of, of blocks is something. So it's like seven or eight. Like if you have good defensive metrics as well as producing offensive numbers mm. that, that can really mess up some things. And like, I, I'm really excited for the future of Wemby, what he can do. But right now there's a lot of times where like, Hey, he's out of position and his massive wingspan helps him get back, gets that block or gets that deflection that becomes a steal or like, lobs you can put a ball anywhere in the air and he finds a way to like not only grab it but really do a good job of corralling it and pushing it towards the rim it doesn't have to be a dunk but like it 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 turns from a lob into a basket um very easily because he's got really good hands and really long wingspan once that gets more stable um i mean sky is the limit you said top five i'll say top two who like I, I I think he's that type of talent um, on potential. Okay, so he's your nineteen. My nineteen is Tyler Hero. Did you leave off Tyler Hero? No, I had him. At, I had him at fifteen. Oh, really? Yeah. Like I, I ran into the situation where I had like all these um, you know, a lot of guards in like the the top fifteen, and I was like, you know, Tyler Hero is like a decently efficient shooter um, who has been in big playoff games before. Um, which and and performed fairly well, which is more than a lot of these guys can say. Um, and so I, I gave him some, I gave him some love. That's that's fair, and, and like that's kind of what I'm seeing. You know, it's hard for me to push him too high 
just because the Heat have really shown whether or not he plays does not affect their winning or losing. But like when he plays, I mean, he had a stretch there where he was at, where he was putting up a couple of thirty point games in a row. Um, he can get you the assist. His, his scoring is pretty inefficient from two, but from three, there's only two guys who are attempting more threes than him that shoot a better percentage. Like he's a top, uh, he's 21st in three point attempts per game. If he qualified, he doesn't with the games played because he's been injured a bit. Um, but I, I think that is a good, I, I think he's a good player. I think he would help a lot of teams. Um, yeah. And, and even though like he is one of these like flawed small guard chuckers like he has shown an ability to fit into like a well-run team um both offensively and also defensively like he's a terrible defender but Mm -hmm. like he he knows how to like at least like be the low man in the zone um you know like he knows how to play nba defense and and that matters that counts for something all right um so that was your 19 my 19 who's your 18 uh was keegan murray okay God, I feel like one of these we're gonna have to land on the same guy. But yeah, <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. My eighteen is wing Jalen Williams, and I, I feel bad having him this low because he he is a player without flaws in my mind. He is um, strong enough to defend threes, fast or strong enough to defend fours, fast enough to defend threes. He's developing some um, some offensive creation. I always call it a post, but it's like that mid post. Let me take a dribble pull up or let me back down spin into a fade, that type of game, as well as hitting his threes. And like, if I told you he scored 20 points and had five and five, you're like, great, that sounds normal. If I told you he scored 15, but had 10 assists, you'd be like, oh, you know, I, I see that. There's just nothing he doesn't do decently well in my book. Yeah, I, I had him up at 14. Um, and I've considered going even higher with him. Um, ultimately, the thing that I eventually decided on against like putting him up in, into like the top ten, I did run into the situation where I was like, "Man, all these guys are so flawed." Like, there's something I can like massive, you know, this massive mm-hmm. net that I can pick with all of these guys. Maybe I just put Jalen Williams there because like he's the most perfect guy. Um, ultimately, what st- stuck him at fourteen and not any higher is that the offense with him and without Shea is really bad. Um, no matter who else he plays for, if Shea's not on the court, um, the offense falls apart. And so he's got some work to go as just like a offensive, um, as like the primary offensive guy. Uh, I got to ask, because um, I'm, I'm looking at your list and I'm starting to wonder, do you have guys who are currently injured um, on your list? I'm starting to fear that, that there might be some guys missing missing from my list or missing from your list missing from your list oh <laughs> this is perfect i i oh <laughs> this is exciting i mean i'm sure there's someone i've forgotten i feel like we had a lot of the same guys all right you just you've got some spots that i'm like man how do you have these guys this high like what about other player x and y that i'm not going to name yet <laughs> we'll find out we'll find out who i totally forgot when we get there that was your eight or that was my 18 in your 18 was Keegan Murray. Who's your 17? Uh, I went with LaMelo. Okay, man. All right, you're cracking my top 10 here. You're talking to me about LaMelo. Availability issues, consistency issues, um, decision-making issues, but one of the best passes in the NBA and a high volume and decent efficiency three-point shooter. Um, really bad once he steps inside the arc, but from three puts them up and does it with decent volume. Um, has proven in the past that he can be the like the guy in a good offense. Um, defensively, 
not the case. Um, but this year alone, um, the offense is still terrible when he's on. Um, so I didn't want to put him into that top 10 level while he's, you know, running a, um, you know, a 111 offensive rating. Yeah, there was a stretch there. Um, it, it's a, only a nine game stretch pulling it up, but from this, from November 5th to November 22nd, where he's averaging 32 points, eight and a half assists and like five boards. Um, the man does stuff. He puts up good numbers. Now in that time, they're negative six and a half with him on the court. They lost most of these games. Um, like it, it wasn't a particularly tough stretch of games. They played Washington three times in there. Like, one and lost one of those three games by 16 points um so it it is a little bit hard for me to get that excited about him but i do just love how he pushes the tempo i think you could probably switch him and tyrese halliburton without too much of a detriment i think halliburton is better but like i I think if they built that team around him lamello could be having a halliburton-esque season or esque run And, and halliburton is streaky too so like that was kind of my reason for having him a yeah, little no. bit higher yeah, that's that's a good point it's like maybe i'm knocking him too much for the absolute like catastrophe of a roster that he's on yeah. um but yeah yeah i mean it doesn't help hope that uh they didn't have miles bridges to start not a fan of miles bridges um fuck that guy but he does play good with Lamelo, uh and then mark williams has also missed some games i don't know what the overlap between those three players in and out but were but I kind of expect now that Lamelo is back, some good performances and some increased play. Did not happen against San Antonio. <laughs> Hopefully, that can result in some like positive basketball, some wins. Yeah, some outscoring the opponent. <laughs> That's his biggest issue. <laughs> hey, he he's you he play Dungeons and Dragons. He's a glass cannon. He will score, but you can put up points against them like very easily you'll you can you can do the damage against them just as well um my 17 has the inverse problem my 17 is evan mobley where'd you have mobs i put him up at 10 wow the thing with mobley for me is we keep talking about how he's going to be a super defender like that is that is the trajectory for him and when him and alan are out there um or even him by himself like they patrol the paint fairly well they do a good job there um but the eye test watching in Mobley play against wings has not stood out. Um, you're smiling. I'm sure you've got a stat. They'll prove me wrong, but I can tell you. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. <laughs> I, I just tell you the eye test. I don't like what I see when he has to guard someone who plays a bit more on the perimeter or play in space. I don't think he's there yet. And the offense has been really limited. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I do agree that those are the two biggest knocks against him is um, like he's officially, He's, he's, you know, theoretically playing as like an on-ball defender because he's having to play so much four mm-hmm. uh, when when really like defensively he's a five, like he should just be roaming the paint. Um, and so like the on-ball stuff is, is a valid concern. And then the offense, like we, we were, or at least I was so high on what he was going to become because of like the shooting and like ball handling potential that he showed. And like none of that, like literally none of that has eventuated. Um, he's pretty much, you know, he can score well at the rim and, and nowhere else and can't do anything on the ball. Um, and so like at this point, he is just like a rim protecting center, but the rim protecting is really, really, it's really good. good. Yeah, and and it and he doesn't um fall into 
some of the the traps that some of these other rim protectors have where like yeah okay he blocks a lot of shots but the defense isn't that good or the rim stats aren't that good or like they don't finish plays because he can't box out like he's gotten good enough at all that sort of stuff that he actually is just a really impactful defender um and i I, before i put him at 10 what the one thing that i checked just to make sure was how are the numbers when he's at the five um the numbers without jared allen and the defense is still awesome the room protection is still awesome the rebounding is still awesome um and so like that gave me the confidence that this is like a guy who at the five is just like yeah yeah this this is a legit defensive presence even yeah. if he's not an on-ball stopper and he can't do anything with, you know, outside of finishing at the room. I asked Aaron about this. Um, might, have, might have been a text, might have been on the pod. Um, but would you trade Jared Allen for Pascal Siakam? Move Evan Mobley to the five full-time. Allen is still only 25 years old, so he could conceivably fit with the Toronto timeline. How do you feel about that? I mean, like from a value perspective, for sure. Um, you do like run into... Like the issue that Cleveland already has, which is playing two guys who aren't great shooters in the front court. Um, mm-hmm. Although that you know hasn't you know, held them back a great deal um, in terms of offense when Garland and Mitchell are in. Like even with two non-shooters at, at the big spots, they've been decent enough on offense. So you run into that perspective, and then from Toronto, like they absolutely fucked up and gave Jakob Pertl a, a lot of money to be their starting center when he's like washed at you know 27 years old or whatever the fuck he is and so like there's there's definitely those perspectives but i do think that jared allen is a upgrade on purtle um and makes more sense for toronto than probably than siakam does and i do think that siakam is a better player than jared allen and so from that perspective makes sense for cleveland i just i think it gives them another guy that really could help right now um and it's a guy who wants to get out and run and when you've got two small guards getting out and running it's huge, and it's very hard to get out and run when you're playing two big centers. As soon as Mobley's your five, you've got a five that's going to run. You got a four that's going to run. Like this team now can play with pace. I, I, I think that's also. And we've talked a lot about it. Like to unlock Mobley, it's probably going to be at the five. So, oh, like, hey, go get him while you can get him. Yeah. the The thing that's changed over the last couple of seasons is he was like that kind of Wimby type sensor where the run protection numbers were there, but not so good when he was strictly the five and the rebounding wasn't good enough to play the five but he's he's you know become stronger he's now a much better defensive rebounder much better box out guy and i think he is now clearly a guy that can succeed as the lone five yeah all right so then that means that was my uh, what, what was mobley mobley was my 17 we've already discussed victor who is my 16 have we discussed your 16 yet no my 16 is my 16 is franz Mm. People were very mad at my Franz placement being too high. What do you uh, talk me down on Franz? Add him up to ten. Like this is one of the guys where the flashes are um, better than the um, than the, or like the exception is better than the rule. So like what mm-hmm. he shows from time to time is a lot better than what his just like play by play ability is. Um, the puts up. Good box score, scoring numbers, but the efficiency isn't that great. If you know, fifty percent e field goal percentage is not great. Um, the three pointer, after being pretty good in the first couple of seasons, is down below thirty percent, which again is you know pretty rough. Um, a lot of that's from doing more self created 
stuff which you do like to see him exploring that like from a land of magic perspective absolutely you should be empowering him to you know try to see if he can get that um and so yeah like the efficiency is not that great um does have some like sneaky defensive chops like good size decent movement um definitely not a, a defensive liability and he's part of a Orlando magic defense that is really good and he's a contributor there it's concerning to me though that the offense absolutely sucks when he's in um another one of those guys and for example if you sub joe ingles and and take him out the magic offense suddenly becomes a lot better um and joe ingles is not like some elite offensive player now france does suffer from playing with a lot of time a negative offensive guard like he plays with Suggs or plays with anthony black um some of these guys whereas the second unit guys like ingles um you know play with cole anthony as they go to a more offensive slanted lineup mm-hmm. which is probably part of that um negative offensive on off but if, if you're making the case that this is like a really good offensive um you know player then i would want the offense to be good and i would want the scoring efficiency to be good and both of those are bad yeah i i actually like it most when he plays with his brother and when he plays with his brother he plays with that bench unit tim and cole um and actually sometimes joe sometimes uh goga they're the sneaky thing about the orlando magic is their bench is a lot of times better than their starters yeah he, like they're one of those teams. <laughs> and part of it's the fact that they go really big with their or um their starting guards they started anthony black for a long time uh now that fultz is back fultz is getting back in the starting lineup hoping like that's that shuffled things around maybe that'll help balance it out um and then the other thing is they want to keep that bench crew together and so while little france has been out they've been starting chuma okiki and caleb houston who like were not playing and it's like okay cool now you guys are starters and when he comes back we'll push you out of the rotation I, there's there's some funky stuff going on in Orlando, but I so I, I do throw the numbers out a little bit and lean more on the eye test. This with these guys is in what they're doing, and he is connecting, you know, offensive players well when he is playing with more offensive players, and when he's not, I'm seeing him find like Anthony Black on cuts. I'm seeing him find some guys, and they're not always doing the best. They're not always finishing, but like it's it's what he's doing out there that is helpful that I really like about him. So I had him all the way up at 10, but I will say there's, I, I kind of thought about these as in tiers of like, you know, good players on bad teams along with like good role players on good teams. Then we kind of got into the like, Hey, th- third tier stars or like s- second tier dairy guys. And these are some guys that I think are pushing, pushing the second to first tier stars or, or maybe more firmly in the second tier stars kind of between, I don't know, 17 and 10 and all of those guys can be pretty interchangeable in my mind and then i do think there's there's a cutoff where like nine through five is is much higher and then four through two um but all right that that's probably not fun Franzi, um who's your 15 15 was hero um 14 was jalen williams 14 is jalen williams uh my 14 is darius garland he's my 12 so we're we're almost in line there yeah Garland, I just, I kind of keep waiting for the leap. Like, there was the time where it was going to be sex land, and it was a lot of uh, a lot of weight on the sex part of sex land, and then Colin kind of fell from grace, and then Darius stepped up, and it was going to be his team, and now they traded for, for Mitchell, and the fit is clunkier than I'd like. Um, 
But thankfully, there's been a lot of times without Mitchell out there, and you can kind of still see the Mitchell-less times. Garland runs the team really well. He can be a competent point guard who kind of just plays well without flaws. He's not pushing and creating turnovers. I wish there was a little bit more offensive creation than from him, but I, I like the fact that he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, and and you combine that with the fact that he's been um, part of good teams who played in games with real stakes, which a lot mm-hmm. of these guys that we've been talking about and that we you know, even higher than him that we will talk about, um, a lot of these guys haven't been in those same situations. I do just want to say, because um, I said that he does make a lot of mistakes. He has high turnovers, 3.8 turnovers to just six assists. That's a really bad assist to turnover ratio. Watch the turnovers. It's not like he's throwing a dumb pass or um, over dribbling. He will try to push passes, but I don't feel like, I, I feel like his turnovers are better ones for the volume. Um, all right. So if he's your 12, who's your 13? I went with Cade at 13. <sighs> You're killing me out here, Smalls. <laughs> By nine. Why is he sure 13? He's on the worst team of all time. Sure. He's the guy on the worst team of all time. Yeah, but he's the guy. He's the man. He's the reason why they didn't set the, like, super record. They just tied it. (laughs) No, I I get it. You want to say your piece? Yeah, like, certainly not a great environment for him. Um, You know, one of the worst teams in the NBA um terrible spacing terrible passing bad defenders like just not in a position to succeed um i feel like a little bit over um too much is asked of him from like a playmaking perspective like i would really like it if he was like your second or third ball handler um Mm -hmm. but they they like you know run run him like he's luca and he's just not that level of um playmaker at this point um the scoring efficiency is not awesome the offense is no better when he's on the floor which is to say that it's terrible when he's on the floor um but you know a guy that can create shots for himself and for others um a guy who can be a you know a solid defender um on a better team i think certainly a guy that would um play a lot better than you know than what he has been able to yeah that's that's fair. I mean, on the positives with Cade, if you just like bullet point the highlights, scores, playmakes, defense, bigger guard, like that's all you want in a player. Um, but then when you kind of get into the nitty gritty of it, it's like, well, the passing's not all that great. It is that a a flaw on him? Is that a flaw on the roster construction? I I lean towards it being more the fact that there's no spacing and a flawed roster around him. If we get two more years down the road and we haven't seen him improve, then it's probably something we have to worry about with Cade. Um, the size, he could be a really good defender. The Pistons are absolutely god-awful on defense, and he plays a lot of those minutes and is not making them better. Um, and, and the scoring, yeah, it, it can be pretty inefficient. I, I put him up this high because I'm I'm giving him the grace of it being more about the team and less about him, but I, I understand the criticism. Uh, my 13, I went with Tyrese Maxey. Mm-hmm. Where do you have Maxey? This this one's going to blow your mind. Maybe, maybe not blow your mind. I, I, I had him at six, and I considered really strongly putting him at five. Wow. That does blow my mind. Um, <laughs> Maxey has a wonderful, beautifully efficient game next to Joel Embiid. He pushes does the tempo well. He spaces the floor well. Um, he is comfortable pulling up off the dribble and shooting 
scoring with the ball in his hands or laying back and being a catch and shoot guy. The problem that I had with him, why I couldn't get him higher is like right now I've seen a lot of the other guys be the star or be the star in moments. And we've just gone through a spell without Embiid. And maybe this is, uh, you know, recency bias the last several games. The star of Philadelphia has been Tobias Harris. Tyrese has struggled mightily now that Embiid is out and there's not that gravity being pulled away from him. Um, and, and I just couldn't get there. Yeah. I mean, what what swayed me overall, like I'm sure like we agree that like he's a really good offensive guard and the most important thing for guards is being able to create good shots for yourself and for others. And he does that, you know, shoots well from the perimeter, really you know, good volume and efficiency and difficult shots, um, which is a super valuable skill set. Um, the thing that eventually swayed me is, you know, very valid point on his recent struggles. The fact that he's being outplayed by Tobias Harris isn't a great sign. Respect to Tobias Harris. Um, if you ask Daryl Morey, he's an all-star. But overall on the season, without Embiid, the team with Maxi on and beat off is still really good. It's still a plus five net rating. It's still a 119 offensive rating. Like Maxi on and beat off is still in the totality um, really good um, lineups. I mean, I feel like a lot of that is probably getting skewed by Embiid going to the bench when they have big leads. And, and like mm. Maxi is this playing. Is using, yeah, like this is cleaning the glass. So it's, it's no garbage time, but certainly mm. like. Um, starter versus starter, outplaying them, and then maybe it's some second unit play. Um, although yeah. there's there's no one from this level on who is um, until we get to like top four who is who has a like a strong net rating and a strong offense when they're on the floor. Like all the rest of these guys from now on until we get to like those really elite guys, um, the team is not good offensively. Fair, yeah. I went and pulled up Maxi over the last. Uh, nine games, which I believe this kind of starts when Embiid's going out but a bit. That's their Miami game uh, through the most recent Sacramento game. And Embiid's back for some of those, I, I want to say, because he's resting in between. But Maxi is 40% from the field, 30% from, from three. Yeah, it's still 25 points, but just the, the efficiency came way down when Embiid is missing the games. And it's it's being asked of, of Maxi to like take that charge. And Hey, it might be recency bias. These are all young players. They grow every day. So uh, not going to quibble too much. Um, who then is your 12? Uh, my 12 was Garland. 12 was Garland. My 12 is Chetty Holmgren's. He was my 11. Okay. We're so close to lining up. <laughs> We're just we have not, not lined up on a single <laughs> guy. Dear God. Um, for Chet, I, a lot of pushback also from TikTok uh, on Chet being too high here. My thing with Chet is just, he is anchoring a very good defense as a rookie. And like he is doing it, being in good position, having the right hit chops. Um, not too many rookies average two and a half blocks. He is doing it from the center position, whereas uh Wemby was doing it kind of from the combo, getting getting to be the help side blocker. Chad, I feel like is really holding down the defense. He has hit some very clutch shots to win or send games to overtime. He is still getting you 20-ish points. Like, there hasn't really been a flaw that Chet has had to go through. 40% three-point shooting, and he's scoring efficiently. Um, I actually consider bumping him up. Yeah, a a cool thing about um, Chet scoring is from each of the four zones that cleaning the glass splits the shooting into, he is above average at every single zone. So he's above average at the rim. He's above average on those short 
mid-range, which would be like your floaters. He's above average on long mid-range jump shots. He's above average on three-point jump shots. So this is an efficient scorer who is the anchor, like the anchor, like you say, not a help side guy, the mm-hmm. anchor of a really good defense um, and already an elite rim protector. Um, I've got the number. Opponents shoot 59.5% at the rim when he's on the floor. Like that's insane. I remember earlier in the season um, having a discussion about like rim protection and defensive metrics and pulling up, you know, shots contested and uh, opponent field goal percentage decrease. And it was like, um, it, it, it was Gobert, I forget who else, and then Minchette. And Chet was like there on all three metrics. Um, the other guy, I forget it was Jaron Jackson Jr. or one of the other like stable defensive player of the year type. Mm-hmm. If guys might have been Brooke Lopez. Um, I don't think it was Lopez because they were still doing the funky switching thing. But like it was like, wow, this is a really, you know, crazy. It's only been like a 13 game sample size at that point. But um, he's still doing it. He's still putting up defensive player of the year type metrics. And I think I should have him higher. I should have. Yeah. Yeah. He's not only defensive player of the year type defensive impact but then also a clear positive offensive player um which can't be said about like i mean you've got to go really down the list of defensive player of the year candidates before you get a guy who's a clear strong positive offensive player as well Mm -hmm. and like the thunder are way outperforming even you know we we expected them to be a good team and they're even outperforming what we expected they're performing what a lot of people expected and Chet is a big part of that the fact that he's been able to provide floor spacing provide efficient shooting and also anchor a really solid defense i will say i push for them to be a 55 win team this year that that is valid okay you called it the rest of us are shocked and Chet is the reason why now they just have to trade for kelly olenic make it happen i'm gonna beat this drum till it happens i mean if he's your 11, then I have to ask where you have my 11. Where's Sharon Jackson Jr.? At nine. Okay. So still in the, the same relative range. And, um, and I, I'm going to guess that you probably have him there for a little bit more of past performance of what we've seen him do defensively. This year has been kind of crazy with a lot of injuries and a lot of uh, guys in and out. And so like, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to tank him too bad. But we've, we've basically seen him do what we're enjoying from Chet right now over the course of a longer time period. And I think he'll yeah. go back to it as guys yeah. get healthy. Yep. And um, the one positive thing for Jaron this year, it's been a really negative season for all the Grizzlies as a whole, including for him. Um, mm-hmm. The one positive thing is, you know, playing as the center is that's always been really bad for the Grizzlies in past seasons when he's on the floor without another big man. Um, this year, though, it's been solid. Like the defense has still been good um, in sort of all four factors. Um, including defensive rebounding, which has always been his the thing that he struggled at most. That's the main reason that um that Stephen Adams is such a important player for them is that Stephen Adams just dominates the defensive glass. Um, but this year they've been fine defensive rebounding, even when Jaron's the lone five, which is the one knock against Chet. Mm-hmm. We yeah you know, we gave him a lot of praise to say the one thing that he's bad at is that like the dude cannot box out. Um, he's too skinny. Doesn't have great I guess technique. Gives up a lot of offensive rebounds, which hurts your, hurts really hurts your defense. Um, but Jaron doesn't do that anymore. I would say you might need to cover your, you know, precious vegan ears for this, but uh, <laughs> Chet might need a steak. He might need some red meat in that diet. They got to beef up. He need, he needs some tofu. He needs some seitan. Get some beans. <laughs> he needs more beans. That's what he needs. <laughs> Chet is also vegan, so that is. Is he? Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, the legend. That, that explain. That, oh, I've got to bump him up a few spots. <laughs> I thought that was. I thought he was eradicating the vegan bump from you. Uh, oh wow! I, I should. I shouldn't go on tangents right now, but my wife just watched a um, documentary on Netflix that was like a twin study: a dietary, and one ate um, a carnivore diet, the other ate a vegan diet for like an eight-week span, and they tested all sorts of metrics and like the. It wasn't a hundred percent like everyone needs to go vegan, but there were like a lot of really pro vegan things. A lot of people kind of came out of that. We're like, you know what? We're we're gonna try to do a little bit more vegan stuff. And like, they were not going full vegan, but like, we're gonna definitely reduce our red meat consumption and um, yeah. have like some tastier vegan alternatives. So, uh, unlike Chip, most people should um not eat more red meat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so now uh, I have a head of cauliflower that I'm gonna be making some cauliflower wings with uh, probably tomorrow. So awesome I, yeah. I fucking love like um fried cauliflower like i hate cauliflower for my entire life hated cauliflower um but when you get like some really good like deep fried cauliflower mm-hmm. especially when it's got like a bit of a kick to it like a bit of a you know there's a bit of cayenne in there like man that'll fucking do it i got a nice spicy asian sauce so i mean mm. american asian mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but all right um i'm gonna guess we have the same seven players left that we haven't discussed yet uh, because we've discussed, God, I hope so. <laughs> we've discussed this Franz Wagner, who is my ten. We've discussed Cade, who is my nine. We've discussed Lamelo, who is my eight. Um, what number have we missed for you? We've got your nine. We've got your ten. Have we discussed your eight. Who is your eight? No. Yeah, we're we're up to my eight. Um, are we finally going to align? No, because Lamelo was my eight. Ah, fuck. Okay. Um, Shingun. My seven. If you had told me like eighteen months ago that I'd be I'm really high on Alperin Shingun. I would have thought you were insane. <laughs> like this is the exact type of player that I once despised. Yeah, Tried to put this... at 99 in our top 100 <laughs> in Sabonis. <Okay. laughs> yeah, and I was totally right about that. Um, but it's it's a new world. It's a new NBA. Um, this is not going against the James Harden Rockets and the you know peak Warriors anymore. You don't need super mobile um switchable bigs or or elite rim protectors you can get in other places and he does enough things defensively that he can be uh, part of a really good team and part of a really good defense but then offensively we've seen in recent years the way that you can get to a really good offense is by having big men who can do stuff with the ball and he scores well he's among the best passes in the league from the big man spot um, and also does enough defensively, particularly rebounding, um, to be a positive contributor there as well. Yeah. I, I heard that his post-up numbers are really slim, and I feel like when I watch him play, he posts up a lot more. But I, I guess what it is more is it's less of a post-up and more of like a mid-post catch drive into a spin, yeah. the let me body bump. And like he has the size. Yeah, and so like – um. Um, second spectrum can uh, like struggle to differentiate sometimes between like what's a post up and what's an ISO, and so mm-hmm. what you know you and I would see as a post up, um, second spectrum probably sees as an ISO, and so his ISO numbers are probably inflated. Um, you know he's not standing at the top of the key and clearing out, but he's going one on one against the guy from the mid post. Mm-hmm. But like once he starts doing that drive, I I really appreciate the big body, the um, ability to just go through guys. And it is funny, him and Fred Van Vliet have a two-man action that is just straight up Jokic and Murray light. Like, <laughs> yeah. like it's it's definitely a discount version, but when it's working and when it's clicking, 
it, it it's re- reminiscent. It, it reflects back on what it should be. My thing is, he's still a little bit streaky. There are still situations where he doesn't fit. Uh, and, and like I kind of thought that there was this uh, tier of players. There's that are like the up and coming stars, the Cades, the Balls, Shangun, uh, Barnes, and Halliburton or sorry, Burns and, um, and Caro. And that was my like five through nine, not necessarily in that order. Um, and, and like, that's why I kind of held him back toward, towards the back of that list. But, you know, still really high potential. I don't know if he makes the all-star team this year, but I, I think he'll make one soon. Mm. Yeah, no, he, I mean, he might. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll have to see how it shakes out. The, the one knock on him is like, the scoring efficiency could be a little bit better. Um, Houston doesn't have like a really elite offensive talent around him though um so i feel like it's not a super easy situation and he's still like decent scoring efficiency um and then obviously offers almost nothing as a rim protector um but does do a lot of um you know other things well um to contribute defensively without being able to you know deter shots at the rim at all Mm -hmm. all right do we align on number six nope your six was tyrese maxi god damn it uh who's your seven uh my seven is paolo just had to put maxi up at six (laughs) Follow is my follow is my six. Um, it's similar things. The guy creates very well. Uh, you know whether you want to go like point Griffin or um, an experienced LeBron James. I just I, I like these fours that can get in and drive. It's it's a little bit of a fool's gold if they can't defend the rim and can't shoot, and you kind of end up in a space like Pascal Siakam or like um, Julius Randle. But the rise is really fun and seeing them attack and seeing them grow and his playmaking, you know, I think might be able to set them apart. Uh, and like, you know, what was Paolo hitting from three? Is this uh, 37%? So he's not bad from three by any means. I just watched him be one for six and I think it was the Miami game that I was watching. Um, but he does a lot of good things well. I mean, he will be an all-star. And the thing that turned me around on him before the last draft um, where I kind of struggled to see the vision before I heard the player comp of Piston's Blake Griffin. And and that is like the way that I do think that he plays, where like he's this big man who's got great size and strength and so you can't guard him with a small guy, but then who does have a handle, who does have some moves um, and can shoot well enough from the perimeter. And then combine that with being a really good passer from a big man from big man um, position, Prime Blake Griffin was like a top five player and he's got all the skill sets to be that kind of guy mm-hmm. and you know what's crazy is like you had franz all the way back at 16 i i only had him at back at 10 but i know magic fans that are like no franz is the guy and like they watch a lot more magic than either of us so I, it, it's not a crazy take um all right we've gotten everyone out of the way there's five players left we both have one through five slots available do we finally get an alignment it's Scotty Barnes, your number five. It's got to be. <laughs> oh, we did it. <laughs> we did it. All right. Shut the pod down. We don't need any more here. We're done. No, I mean, Barnes, Barnes is developing as a playmaker. He is developing as a rim protector. But there are times where he can be your secondary rim protector option as a power forward. And there are times where you can have him guard out on the wings. Um, I don't like him guarding points because he struggles to get around screens. But like he can guard yeah. a lot of bigger twos or a lot of guys who are going to play more in isolation he does that very well um, yeah like I, I can't wait for him to move siakam so he can be the four yeah. and either like defend bigger guys or be that help side um rim protector um and you combine that with the fact that he's got like basically point guard skills like it was really rough at times him running point guard and just like not being able to create shots 
going to mid-range pull-ups and missing all of them, turning the ball over. Um, but they stuck with him. He got through the growing pains, and now he's you know a good playmaker, an mm-hmm. efficient scorer, um, solid defensively, can get some sort of mismatch against almost every kind of defender. Yeah, like this this is exactly the vision that Toronto saw when he was an inefficient 13-point pregame scorer. Um, now he's coming into it. He knows how to use the size against, against smaller guys. He knows how to use the speed against bigger guys. Uh, the Lakers did not have an answer for him, which did kind of bite him him a bit. Uh, Darko, their coach, with the rant about free throws. Barnes was getting to the rim fairly uncontested. Like <laughs> You can't get free throws when you're just blowing past guys constantly. Yeah, yeah it was a little bit too easy. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't quite have that, like, all right, I got past you. Let me hesitate. Let you bump me. And now I get the free throw. They're like, tricky foul drawing he just goes straight for it um which i appreciate i like to see but yeah um i'm gonna guess we have the same number one guys two through four super interchangeable i flipped them around a half a dozen times um who is your four i ended up going with tyrese um but i like you considered him strongly up up at two and and obviously for three as well yeah i i thought about putting jaw at four i went with tyrese um, and a little bit of it's it's Tyrese's ability to be attacked defensively. I think that is the biggest flaw of those those three guys that we have for two through four. Yeah, and I mean, let me ask you a question: strictly offensive season, so best offensive season, like is he top two? Um, I, I'd want to know a little bit more about percentages is for mm. some of these guys because he was shooting amazing in for a while, but I feel like that's come back down to earth a lot. Because um, he just had had a slump before he went out with the injury. He, I, at least top five um, league wide. I mean, Luca is above him, I would say, and I, I would potentially put Jokic above him. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if I would even have him above Luca, strictly from an offensive season. That's because you hate Luca. I know. <laughs> um, and and yeah, after that slump, his three point percentage is down at forty one percent on high volume and high difficulty. So. You know, it's, it's, he's, he's, he's really struggling. Yeah, kind of after the IST, he's fallen off, which is really crazy. Because, like, the IST was not that much. It wasn't like uh, – I'm hearing talks of, like, people being like, well, they should go to Europe. And I'm like, yeah, they went to Vegas. That's, like – it's not that big of a flight. They got days off. Like, I don't I don't know why this is, uh, is psyching everyone out that much. But, uh, all right, if Halliburton is both of our fours, let's wrap this up here. Is your three job ramp? It is. Yeah. I, I consider having him down just with the injury. I don't know what he's going to come back looking like, mm-hmm. um, but I feel like he attacks the rim incredibly well. He doesn't have the shooting of Halliburton, but the rim pressure and attack I think is a lot better, and he just can't pick on him as much defensively. Yeah, and ultimately what led me to go Jar over Tyrese, even though like I, I think Tyrese is probably a better um, playmaker and the three-point shooting is more valuable, um, and he does that a lot better than Jar does, um, is I feel like, Ja has been in big games before, you know, play in playoff series and played fairly well. Whereas Tyrese, the closest thing that he's been to in a playoff series was the, you know, in season tournament final where he, when the team was able to lock in on him and scheme around him, you know, they pretty much took him out of the game. Yeah, there are worse, there's fates in life if them being um, a, a bit scheme honorable or scheme aroundable. Oh, but what Halliburton does is really good. Um, just being able to lead the team and have that offense, offensive efficiency. All right, so they're two, they're three. Then we're going to probably align on one and two. Anthony Edwards, yep. two. Luka Doncic, one. 
Yep. Who do you want to talk about? Oh, you you pick one. I'll talk about the other. I mean, I feel like there's there's not too much to say on these guys. Like these two are pretty much known commodities at this at this point. They've got a track record of excellent play. Um, Anthony Edwards as a shot creator, an efficient scorer, a guy who can like really zone in and be a really good on ball defender, um, and a guy who has played in some you know absolutely huge in season tournament games. Um, and and, and <laughs> yeah, played really well. I don't have much of a doubt that he's a guy whose game is going to be able to sustain playoff basketball, and is a guy who can be part of an elite offense, can be part of an elite defense. Like not a lot of um holes to pick in his game. Yeah, for Luca, I, I had done the numbers. He is leading the NBA, likely all time, um, in points scored and created. Um, because we're we now have assist created or shot created in metrics or how many points people are getting off of your assist, which I, I think that is wild that he is doing that. That is truly impressive. It also just the increase in offense and increase in flow and point scoring. I'm a little bit less impressed. Like it's, it's about a point more than what we got from prime or from MVP Russell Westbrook. And then on the flip side of that, the team with him on versus with him off hasn't shown that much difference. Um, the, they have they can find the scoring in other ways, and it's not necessarily his fault. But I do think this is just one of the limitations when you have a super heliocentric offense that it, it relies entirely on one guy. When Luke is out, you have Kyrie, and they didn't have Kyrie for December. And Luke's numbers actually are much better in December when they used him more and and um, just went entirely through him. And there you actually do see an on-off split in December. For the team is five points better with him on. And then with them off throughout the course of the entire year, it's about one point difference. Um, I I don't know. I, I will also say that he has become better defensively. He can compete with his man in one-on-one contests. If you isolate him, he will compete and try, uh, but he still doesn't always get back. So yeah, that's that's his biggest defensive flaw is just the fact that he doesn't ever get back on defense. Like he will complain after every single play and give up fast breaks on every single play and leave his team to play four or five on on basically every single play. Yeah, they're like eight points better defensively per hundred possessions with him off. Just he he does still hurt the defense. That you know, no matter what you want to say about individual defense, um, but the dude. The dude is one of the five best players in the league right now. I there's there's just not other things to say. I know yeah. you don't have him there, it, but it maybe. it is cr- yeah, and it is crazy that he is this good and this young. When I like did my first list, I didn't even consider him because I was like, no way, Luke is twenty four years old. But this dude is in his age twenty four um, by basketball reference season. Like this is ridiculous that he's this good at this age. Um, and yeah, like the one knock against him is the potential susceptibility of heliocentrism to like failure, mm-hmm. um, which is like a more of a team criticism than a, a personal criticism. Exactly. And if you, I just want to look at the guys that are 24 that were on our list. We had Luca, we had John Morant, we have Jaron Jackson Jr., Darius Garland, Tyler Hero, Nick Claxton, Emmanuel Quickly, Anthony Simons, and Nas Reed. If Walker Kessler, I'm sorry, I didn't have his age because he wasn't actually on my list. Just typed him in. But like we've got a lot of these guys are going to be back on this next year. We're like we're, if we keep doing this and this becomes like a regular segment, we're bringing back Anthony Edwards. We're bringing back um, from Tyrese Halliburton. These guys are still so young. It's it's crazy to think about some of these guys being the top tier talent in the league. The um, 
and being on this this just crazy young age curve. Yeah. Paolo's 21. We had him at seven and six, and this guy is 21. Any closing thoughts or remarks? Yeah, the the one thing about this is that it does kind of um make me depressed that all these guys are so good at what they do and so much younger than me. And so I figure for the for the next um for our next um segment, it's guys you didn't know were younger than Dylan is. Um guys who seem like they're a lot older. Oh sorry, a lot younger, um, but are actually older than me rather. Just to make me feel good about myself. I remember when the Lakers drafted Andrew Bynum and um like he was 17 years old and i was like i'm how old i it was what they drafted him 2005 so i was i was like 13 i was like i i could have played this guy in high school like like i i play 17 year i will be playing 17 year olds when the season starts up because i'll be 14 like it, it just it was wild to me like the, the nba players are now my age and then as i started like get older than guys i was like oh oh i guess i guess that's what we're doing now now we've they're younger than me just it's yeah, a weird that's, place to that's, get to. It's it's a that that was like a big turning point in my life. Like I'd always entertained the fact that, you know, one day I would wake up and have just like grown, you know, eighteen inches and um a, an incredible, you know, burst of sudden talent would arise. Um and then once guys that are younger than you start getting drafted, it's like, man, it's, it's time to hang it up. <laughs> Kyrie is uh like thirty days older than me. That's that's the players that are my age. Like that's kind of crazy to think about. Maybe maybe next time instead of doing a younger uh twenty five and under or twenty four and under, we'll do a a thirty five and over or something. Be like, all right, who are the old guys that are still balling in the league? Yeah, these guys are still killing it, <laughs> and you can too. All right, well, Dylan, where can the people find you? Uh, every week on the Hoops Temple podcast. Find me here as well. Email us hoopstemple at gmail We'd love to hear from you. Oh, 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 oh,